But let's, uh, we'll just uh, basically just read these verses. I'll make a little comment because we want to get to the values. The values is a big topic. It's a huge topic. Because as we say, I was just talking to this gentleman. He's talking about free will and, and, and determinism, fate and free will. Do we have free will? And you... You have free will if you think you're a person. If you're a jiva, you have free will. And, and in other words, you can choose between an apple and an orange if you want to eat. And you can also... Uh, and so in every situation, there's always something that's unknown. Ishwar is the factor that is unknown. You don't know how any situation is going to happen, happen do you? In other words, you don't know what the future is. So there's always a doubt, isn't there, about what the future is. And your choices are what? You're making to what? Try to, you know, ensure a future for yourself that you want. Isn't it? That's why you're choosing to do this or to do that. I choose to eat an apple because I want what? I want a, uh, you know, I want a, a healthy biome. I don't want to. I don't want to eat a great big plate of schnitzel, huh? You know, some gross animal stuff that's going to pollute my biome with whatever it is. Say I'm a vegan, right? So you have a choice. You always have a choice. So that that's just a gross example. But what is it that determines how you use your free will? You do have free will. So, okay, so, but that doesn't prove anything. From Ishwar's point of view, there's no free will. It's all just determined. If you don't exercise your free will, then what? Then something's going to happen anyway, isn't it? If you don't make a choice, then uh, something's going to happen. That, that Ishwar will just make happens what happened before according to your program. That's all. That's, that's called turning it over to Ishwar. By, by refusing to make a choice, you what? You accept Ishwar's will. And Ishwar's will is what's happening. <laughs> that's uh, Ishwar. You could call it grace. If it's happy, you'll call it Ishwar's grace. And if it's an unhappy event, you'll call it Ishwar's will. But whether you call it Ishwar's grace or Ishwar's will, Ishwar is the one that's determining what's happening. In other words, if you don't exercise your free will, then what? You let Ishwara make things happen for you. Some some people are comfortable just trusting Ishwara to what? Supply whatever they need. 
other people are not comfortable trusting Ishwara. So what? They want to like force Ishwara to give them what they want. So they make choices that to force Ishwara to give them the results they want. The problem with that is there's always what? The field is so big that once you put an action in the field, what is it? You're not sure if, if you're going to get the results you want because like as I said yesterday, you put a good action, it can produce a bad result, or you put a bad action, it can produce a good result. You don't know. There's always a doubt about it. So the issue with free will is, now how, what values are determining the, your use of your free will? In other words, what values are informing your choices? And those values are guna, they're chosen by your gunas. <laughs> Every guna has certain values associated with it. And uh, if you don't choose, then your guna will choose uh, the choice. It, it, the guna value that's associated with Thomas, which is fundamentally fear, uh, then fear will inform your decisions. If, huh, if, if, if you're if rajas, if you don't act and rajas is predominant in your nature and in the world around you, then what? What will determine your actions? Desire. Now, if you're predominantly sattvic, then what? Then, then another set of values will be operating that will determine what happens. Because the values are, are built into the gunas. The, the self is nirguna. Huh? Nirguna means it has no values. The self has no values. It isn't a good self. It isn't a bad self. It's value neutral. That's what samadhi means. From the self, everything's the same as everything else. You understand? We are born, then this, this gunas, we have a, we have a choice. What? When we are born, we have different gunas. Some have more, more, some, yeah. some more like just, and also in the mind. Some yeah. It's our choice. No. Well, yes and no. Uh, <laughs> there were choices made in the past, but it wasn't you, was it? Yeah. You, you meaning the person. The person that's here now isn't the same person who was there in the in the past life. It's not the same person. I know that's what you think. You think this person existed in a previous life, and this person is going to what transmigrate and be the same person in the next life, and so that person's karma is going to come along with them. But the person that's here now is never going to come back when your body goes, ever. This is why this whole business about your past life and your future life is a waste of time. In other words, trying to do good things now so you get a better birth next time is foolish. If you do good things now, whoever it is that gets your vasanas, huh, huh, next time will have a better life. <laughs> And if you create bad vasanas, then whoever gets them is going to get the result of your actions now. Huh? 
Yeah, but I, there's always a but here. <laughs> because uh, the Bhagavad Gita, uh, Krishna says to Arjuna, yeah. if you do good, then can be Yeah, he does. Yeah, yeah, he does. That's right. He does. That's part of the. Yeah, and we say that the world is cause and effect, but we also say that it isn't. We pro he's provisionally accepting Arjuna's view because Arjuna is a Hindu. And so he doesn't want to disturb his thinking on that topic. So he just accepts that point of view. But that's not correct. This is why you need a teacher. Hmm? So you read the scripture, you can easily get the wrong idea. You can easily think they're talking, about, you can easily get the wrong idea about reincarnation. Now, when you're, huh? The only thing that, that transcends time is what? Is the causal body and the subtle body. The causal and the subtle body are eternal. Hmm? Understand? They, they don't disappear when your physical body dies. They remain. Now, if there's no, if you... <coughs> have no binding vasanas when your physical body dies. <laughs> you have no binding vasanas. Will Ishwar give you another body? No. no. <laughs> Why? Because Ishwar only gives you what you need according to your desires and your actions. If you don't need a physical body, then Ishwar won't give you a physical body. And the only thing that would cause you to get a physical body was the need to work out your karma here. But if you worked out your karma here and neutralized your karma here, there's no reason for you to be reborn, is there? So you won't get a new body. Now, if you haven't neutralized your karma here, and your, and your physical body dies, your subtle body and your causal body remain, but what happens? They aren't yours anymore. <laughs> because what? Because the karma that's in them, the vasanas that's in your causal body, and the karma that's going to that are going to determine your your thinking and therefore your karma in your next life. Those things, there's a period of dormancy, like just going to sleep. Huh? We don't know how long it is. It may be a second. It may be 10 years. We don't know. There's no time frame in the bardo state, as they, as the Buddhists call it. There's no time. So, uh, no worldly time. We're, we just, time for us is just a convenience. It's a way of measuring the interval between experiences. It's purely a convenience. There's no actual time. In fact, there's no time anywhere. It's all just one eternal thing that seems to be changing and moving. So, <clears throat> when when your physical body dies, huh, and you still have karma or vasanas, now look, Ishwar is required to give you another physical body, but that physical body. Will that be born under the same, in the same circumstances at the same time as this physical body that you have now? No. no. In other words, the circumstances will be completely different, won't they, than that they are now. And your, your, what, your, what you call yourself now, 
your identity now, it's based upon what? On the experiences that happen to this physical body here at the time of birth and the circumstances and so forth and so on. But since there's new circumstances, and then they give you a name for that. When you come out, your parents give you a name, right? You don't get the same name in the same physical body in the same circumstances next time. So when your vasanas start to crank out, you get a new name and you get a new identity. Why? Because you associate that name with all the experiences that are happening at a different time and different place. And what? And you're a different person. That's why nobody remembers who they were in the past. But you're never the you. Well, that's another story. <laughs> but then you're never the you, then the whole thing falls away. Yeah, that's right. No, you, yeah, no. That the person that you think you are now is not going anywhere. Yeah. It stays right here. It's purely a conceptual person. It's not an actual person. It's a story person. And the... Huh? <clears throat> the... Well, when somebody asks you who you are, listen to me, think about this. When somebody asks you who you are, isn't it enough to say I? Mm -hmm. Let, let's say, under the threat of death, you are told by God that when you meet somebody new and they ask you who you are, you're only allowed one word. That's all. So, so some, you meet somebody... And they say, hi, my name is, who are you? And you say, I. That's all you're allowed, because you know if you say anything more, huh, you're going to die, because God will strike you down, right? So you only say, I. Now, does that person know who you, wh what I means? Yes. Yes. The answer is yes. I saw people going like this. No. Why? Why do some people go like this and some people go like this? <laughs> There's only one the huh? No, because they, the people who go like this is are what that person's thinking what? I is known by everybody. That's, huh? Isn't it? Because it's the same I. So they never ask you about that I, do they? Because they know that it's the same I. I, well, okay, now, but what do they want? They want the story huh, that's associated with the I. Because they have a whole bunch of boxes in their mind, and they want to put you in the box that makes them feel most comfortable. Or, huh, they've got the uncomfortable box, too. They don't know if they should put you in the uncomfortable box or the comfortable box. So then, what do you do? You supply them with a story. And you say, I was born, I come from my mother this, my father that, I went to school, I got married, I had kids, I got a job, I work in a factory, and on and on and on you go, huh? And you think you're actually talking about yourself. You're not talking about yourself at all. <laughs> yourself's the I. You're adding a whole lot of concepts onto the I. Well, isn't it? Do, huh? 
And what are those concepts? Those are, are the essence in your mind of experiences that happened, experiences, let's say this, real or imagined. In other words, there were things that actually happened to you or things you imagined happened to you. You can you could imagine the things that are happening that don't actually happen in, in the transactional reality. So you tell about subjective events and objective events, huh? and you claim that all of those things that happen to you equals I. Right? And th they believe it. Because huh? they, they need a place to put it. But does everything that happened to you equal you? It's a fairy tale. Yes, there you go. It's a fairy tale. Yet you're happy to talk about yourself all the time, aren't you? Huh? You, wait, huh? you should stop at the word I. Now, huh? That's certainly what I do. But I, you know, like if a person, if obviously I don't, but. I, I know how to get the conversation on, on a topic that I want to talk about because I know that saying I was this and I was that and this and that and the other thing and so forth, it, nobody really cares. Does anybody really care what you did in the past? It's not true. Huh? I think it's not true. It's not true, yeah, but, but let's assume that you think it's true or they think it's true, but does anyone actually care? No. No. <laughs> they they they're they're uncertain that's why they ask who they they have a doubt and so they need to if they're going to stay in your presence they need a little box to put you in mm -hmm. to make them feel comfortable and if they, if if you if you start saying things that make them uncomfortable then what happens they put you in the discomfort box and off they go <laughs> one, one time one time i was in a coffee shop and I, 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 it was very crowded, and there was only one seat neck across from a small table across from a guy. And uh, I uh, sat there, and and it was just kind of natural to start talking. And uh, it turned out uh, we had a nice conversation. He was a Christian. He was a Christian person, and I immediately knew that I was not going to be a, a Hindu person. I immediately knew that any kind of reference to any other thing other than Christianity or Jesus was not going to work. So, and I know how to speak the Christian language because I grew up in a Christian background and Christian family and we had the Christian people come and knocking on the door every day trying to get us to convert to their brand of Christianity, whatever it was, you know. <laughs> So I know exactly how to talk. So we had a great satsang, but I just used his language. And he loved it. He was so happy. He met a great lover of Jesus. <laughs> and I, I, really, I really slathered it on thick. You know, I, I, you know, I really came out as the ultimate lover of Jesus. <laughs> he, he thought he'd died and gone to heaven. And then I was, I, you know, Ishwar is so perverse. 
<laughs> then I so happened that I had the, the first book that I wrote, Meditation, Inquiry into the Self. Huh? I had that uh, in my briefcase or in my backpack, whatever it was. And I, uh, it was in a, in a sack, in a, in a little, little bag. And I handed it to him. And I said, here's, here's, a, here's something for you. Maybe you'd be interested in reading it. <laughs> and he said, well, thank you very much. He didn't look at it. He just took it and said, thank you very much. <laughs> and off he goes. <laughs> See? So then, about a week later, I'm in the same coffee shop. I'm sitting at that table I was sitting before. And, and I'm watching, and I like to watch the people come and go, you know. And, and, he, and here he comes. He comes walking through the door. And then he, I guess he remembered the conversation. And he looked to the table where I was. And he took a look at me. And you know what happened? He no. turned right around and left the coffee shop. <laughs> <laughs> he was only comfortable with his story. He wasn't com comfortable with my story at all. Even though as long as I was what, communicating in terms of in the box that he wanted me in, huh, he was totally happy. And as soon as he realized that I didn't think, you know, I had a different language or a different God, uh, he had nothing to do with me. I went out. And I never saw him come back in that coffee shop again. I guess he was felt embarrassed, I suppose, or, or just didn't want to be associated with a heathen meditating Hindu. Oh, my God. You know, the devil. In those days, the word meditation was a bad word. You, you didn't use it, honestly. You had to be very careful when you said the word meditation. Now it's not a problem, but it used to be a real problem. It's still problems with the Christians have co-opted some of the language that, that came over from the East, from India, and so forth and so on. Anyway, the, the point is that, that what? This person that reincarnates is not the person that's here. What reincarnates is the subtle body. Huh? And that subtle body, and, and the, powered by the vasanas, we call it transmigration. And in the Gita, he, it says, you know, it's it's like a leaf. I, I mean, it's like a the fragrance of a flower. It means a vasana. Vasana means a fragrance. It, it says like it it leaves the physical body. There's a power, a prana power. It's called here. It's called uh, udana in the prana system, and it ejects the subtle body from the physical body. When the when the physical body no longer when the parabda that's maintaining the physical body no longer operates for this lifetime, it's a switch, huh? huh? And 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 then what happens? That subtle body travels. That's how they put it. It doesn't actually travel because there's no time and no space. But what that subtle body, huh? appears in a woman's in a in a uh, when the egg, a sperm has fertilized an egg in the uterus and the sperm and the, the fertilized egg has attached itself to the uterine wall huh? and has got a, a a place to that's secure in the world in other words it's secure there 
then what happens? Then Ishwara what? Puts that subtle body into that physical, into that physical, into that egg. Huh? It is all, all, your parents have already been selected by Ishwara, according to your vasanas. Your circumstances have already been selected by Ishwara, according to your vasanas, according to the karma that needs to work out. Huh? And then what? And then that subtle body gestates in the womb. A woman will tell you, they, they start to feel, they will tell you. They know that there's somebody else in their energy field. Uh, when they're first get pregnant, they don't even know anything. Because why? Because there isn't any subtle body in there. The, the Ishwar is just setting up the conditions for the subtle body to, to, uh, to situate itself here. And then once that subtle body comes, the woman will tell you they feel like there's somebody else huh, or something else, and they'll start to wonder, am I pregnant or not? Then they'll go do a pregnancy test and check it out, you know, and they'll they'll determine, oh, you're 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 pregnant. Means what? Ishwara has what? Set up the circumstances for that karma stream to continue. And at that time, then what? Then you start developing a new identity. When you pop out of the womb, they, in fact, your parents have already given you a name before. And they've already told, thought. They've already figured out how they're going to condition you. <laughs> huh? If they got, if they had good parents, they'll try to condition you like they were conditioned. And if they had bad parents, they'll try to condition you exactly the opposite of the, the way they were conditioned. All the time. So the and then, then you will think you're that person then. Now you think you're this person now, but that person's never coming back. Now you'll be a new person. We call that the non-eternal jiva. Call it the non-eternal jiva, not the eternal jiva. The eternal jiva is actually consciousness. That's why Shankara says in that statement, Brahma Satyam Jagamitya, Jiva Brahmeva Naparaha. Jiva Brahmeva Naparaha means the jiva that's right here now is the same as Brahman, the limitless consciousness, huh, that is in everything. Since there's no difference. Naparaha means there's no difference between the jiva that's here and what? And Brahman. This is why you can look to the eye for yourself. This is how you identify yourself right here now in the form of the word I. Because it's the same I for everybody, and it's eternal. It's always been here. It's your existence. It's your consciousness. You understand? So the distinction between I and I am, or is just the same? No, I and I am. Is, I is I is is sat, and or I is chit, consciousness, and am is existence. But existence and consciousness are the same thing. But you need to stop, and you can say, I am Sat Chit Ananda Atman. That means I am consciousness, I exist, I'm existence, and what? I'm full. I'm complete. That's why you can say that. Because the, uh, the self, consciousness, is what? It is your existence. It is what? Your awareness. And it is what? Complete. There's nothing missing. 
have a look and see, contemplate on the word I, and see if you can find anything missing in the word I. Just I. Don't add your story. Uh, obviously, if you add your story, then there's going to be a lot of things missing, isn't there? Oh, I didn't get what I want then. You know, I had this great thing, and then she left me, and I lost my business, and this and that, and oh my God, you know, all of all the tragedies, all the stuff. <clears throat> In your story, uh, there's all kinds of things that you know uh, that's missing always. <laughs> of course, there's something missing in your story because your body and mind only experiences a tiny little bit of life. Of course, there's something missing. Why should uh, why should your uh, why should your story include all this incredible shit? Why should it? We're just nothing. We're just tiny little specks, fly specks. Honestly. And our experience, what does it count for? What does your experience count for? You don't even care about what happened before. And nobody else does. And it's the same thing that's happened to everybody since the uh, beginning of time. It's the same thing that's going to happen to everybody for forever. It's nothing special. It's just totally ordinary. Why make such a big story about what happens to you or going to happen to you or did happen to you? What, what, what's, what's the deal here? Yeah. Yeah, but when you don't know you're whole, you're complete, then you need to have a special story. It's either a big tragedy to make everybody feel sympathy for you or it's a big comedy to make everybody laugh. Either way. <laughs> Huh? <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> huh? So, so I sense when do you say it develops? In the moment when the semen and the No, 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 the the eye sense is the reflected self, it's the subtle body. The eye sense is always present. Because the subtle body it's a reflection. That is also traveling. Well that that's "Quote unquote travels." What but but huh? The, trans, the eye sense transmigrates. Yeah, you could call it. Yeah, if you talk about movement, then it does. It, you, the eye sense does transmigrate because you always have it. But why do they call it an eye sense? Because it's not the eye. It's a, it's an image of the eye. It's not the actual eye. It's an eye sense. And the problem with Sargadatta and Ravana and these people that studied Ravana and Sargadatta that got about this meditating on the eye sense is that, that they always end up stuck. <coughs> they always end up stuck because, uh, yes, you can get obsessed, you can get kind of a kind of samadhi by meditating on the eye sense, but the eye sense takes you nowhere. Yeah, <laughs> it's just a reflection of awareness, and you take the reflection to be the the, the reality. That's what people think. They think that huh? they think huh? they think the self is the reflection. But they said also, at first go to the eye sense. Pardon? They said also, at first go to the eye sense. Yeah, they say, but what for? Yeah. But then go after the eye sense, behind the eye sense. Okay, that, that's a reflection teaching. Should I 
Yeah. Now, do we want to do the reflection teaching? We want to go to the values. 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 We have a we have a war. Okay. No. I okay. No. I sense teaching. No. Some want the values and some want the essence. Oh, yeah, you're putting me in a difficult position. If, if I go with the values people, I'm going to piss off the essence people. If I go with the essence people, I'm going to piss off the values people. So I, I'm in a pickle now. What should I do? Combine them. Combine uh, let's let's do what I was intended to do, which is read these, and then we'll get to the values. And if we have any time this evening or tomorrow, then we'll do the reflection teaching because it's a great teaching. Yeah, it's called Prati Bimba Wada. Okay. He said yes. He said yes. Yeah. <laughs> so this is how everybody we have our cake and eat it too. <laughs> okay. So uh, let's see where are we here. Where are we here? Okay. Oh yeah, I'm backed up here. They're all, it's all the same teaching, but it's the same teaching looking at it from uh, different points of view. And since we're multifaceted people, we need to look, understand the self from all different angles. That's why we say Vedanta is a complete teaching. It covers every possible point of view. So you get complete knowledge. You get a 360 degree knowledge of the self and the world. <coughs> so there's nothing like it. There's nothing like it. There's no teaching like it. it stands on its own. Chapter four. Uh, the definition of non-dual love. Uh, well, what does he say here? <laughs> you can't define it. <laughs> First verse. The essential nature of pure love of God is beyond description. You cannot describe it. But that doesn't mean you can't know it. Huh? Tell, huh? Does it? You, you want love, but you can't tell me what it is, right? So, you know that there is such a thing as love, you just can't describe what it is, huh? So, he said, trying to describe the experience of pure love of God is like a mute person trying to describe in particular, uh, a, mute, a mute person trying to describe a particular taste. Now, a person who's mute, they can't hear, right? They're deaf. A deaf person, he can't hear. So, isn't that right? No, no, he can't speak. I'm sorry, he can't speak. He can't speak, but he can taste, can't he? With his tongue, he can taste, but he can't say what it is that he's tasting, can he? So that's the idea here. So he says here what? So trying to describe pure love is impossible. You can't do it. He says. But, but, but what? Occasionally, pure love of God 
is revealed in a qualified person. In other words, sometimes you see a person, huh? like when I met Swamiji, that was the first person I saw who loved God totally. And I immediately recognized it. I immediately recognized, instantly recognized it. Didn't take a second. In fact, boom, it was just like, oh, huh? That's because it's totally different from any other kind of love. <laughs> huh? It has a totally different quality, a different feeling. It's a whole, it's a whole different thing from normal love, what you call it, what you say, when you say, I love this or I love that. That's love, but that's not pure love of God. Understand? So it says here. So, but it is revealed in what? In these Mahatmas. He said, great souls. So when you have a guru in this tradition, you get a Mahatma, hopefully, although there's some people teaching who are not Mahatmas, but that's all right. Uh, and, 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 but then he, he starts to try to describe it, not positively, but negatively. And you're meant to make an inference based upon what you hear. That's why. Just like you're meant to look in the rearview mirror to find out what's going on behind you when you're driving, you need to uh, make an inference when you hear what these qualities are, and that will let your mind go with that, and then you'll understand what it is. But you'll not be able to describe it. Because love is your nature. <laughs> so, uh, so pure, what, what is it? This pure love of God is devoid. Devoid means doesn't have any. It has no, what? Material qualities and desires. Whoa. It's free of desire. Why does he, why does he say that? Because all of our love is what? Desire. I want. If you want. This one is free of want. It's free of desire. Can you imagine what that's like to love without desire? Wow. Free, oh, liber yeah, it's liberation. Freedom. It's freedom. And what? It manifests more and more at every moment. Now that's weird, isn't it? If it's non-dual, how could it manifest more and more at every moment? If it's if it's non-dual. Ignorance. Yeah. Yeah. Ignorance is going away. It purifies the mind huh, of the ignorance. And when the ignorance goes, it seems like the love is growing. It's expressing itself as itself. All the time. Yeah, it's it's always present. It's expressing itself. And as a, as the ignorance goes, it just keeps growing and growing and growing and growing. There's no end to it. It's so amazing. It's just uh, it's experientially. We're talking about the experience of it. So he said, it manifests more and more at every moment. Why? Because you're not feeding your vasanas. Every time you feed your vasanas, you make an experience, you contract the love. Huh? The love that you are, every, with every vasana, with every thought, <coughs> it gets more and more contracted until what? You can only love a pencil, a little tiny dot, dot of a thing. I love my dog. 
Well, big deal. You love your dog. There's billions of dogs and trillions of other things to love here. And you love your dog. Hooray, hooray, hooray. But you can also love your dog. Huh? This love encompasses everything. Huh? It, it just, huh? It, it applies to everything. Not my dog, my cat, my wife, my kids, my, you know, my body, my whatever it is. My, you know. What is it? And what's the next, what's the next statement? It's uninterrupted. Now, desire love comes and goes, doesn't it? Sometimes you feel love and sometimes you feel not love. People have love and hate. Right? Sometimes the same object that you love is an object you hate. Well, that means the love's interrupted by what? But this love is not affected by anything that not happens. Okay? Completely unaffected by anything that happens. And what? And, and what? This is telling you where to experience it. We already covered this. And is experienced as one's inter, innermost consciousness. What is that innermost consciousness? I. The subtopic, love is discovered, it's never produced. You can't produce love. You can discover love, but you cannot make it happen. Understand? Having dis then it says, 55, having discovered non-dual love, you see only the self everywhere. <laughs> you hear the self in every word. You speak only of the self and think only of the self. There's no otherness, there's no duality. Yeah. What? He likes it. Yeah, nice. you, you like it? Yeah, yeah good. <laughs> I like it too. <laughs> Having discovered non-dual love, you people say, "Well, how do I get a non-dual relationship?" It means they want non-dual love. You don't get it. That's why it's never, you don't obtain it. You don't produce it. You discover it. Discover means you uncover it. What does that mean? You get rid of the concepts you have about yourself and about your needs and your desires and, and, and your life and all that sort of thing. And you discover that you are love. And then when, when you discover that, you discover that what? Everything you hear is love. Everything you see is love. Everything you taste is love. Everything you smell is love. Everything you feel is love. Nice. <laughs> I told you I, that he talked about the gopis earlier. What did I say a gopi was? It's somebody who drinks love through his or her senses. In other words, even the material objects are love. 
Nice. You won't even treat a, you know, material object badly. Because you'll see it yourself. It's love. You'll, you'll love it. You'll respect it. It's beautiful, huh? Then, now, this is where the gunas came in. He, now he's talking about the gunas. Because why do we talk about the gunas? Because, because the gunas huh, influence the way you experience love. So if there's any qualities, if there's any, anything specific involved in your love, then it's because of the gunas. So now, now he's done talking about non-dual love, and he's going to talk about what? Secondary devotional service, secondary bhakti, dvaita bhakti. We're going to talk about it to contrast it, so you can understand, you can discriminate from your own experience between pure love and what and conditional love. Conditional love means love that's conditioned by the gunas. So. With, with, with each guna, you're going to have certain attitude, love attitudes. Attitudes mean bhavas. That's why I have love, oh, the chart's not here. Love games. I'm talking about love games. We have to talk about that. Uh, we, I'm saving it for last. Uh, yeah, what was it? A free person is free of the gunas, or at least he knows he's not being affected by the gunas. Yeah, right? that's right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Because because the, the gunas are still playing in the body. Yeah, right? the gunas are still playing in the body and mind. Remember the the ref, the reflect the reflecting. This is the reflected medium, mm. the subtle body. Those gunas are embedded in the subtle body. So the eye sense, huh? The eye sense, which is the subtle body, is what is subject to what these three kinds of energies. In other words, you'll have three different kinds of love operating when the, when the guna that's predominant at the time is dominating the subtle body. When one guna is dominating the subtle body, then you'll love in a certain way. When another guna is dominating the subtle body, you'll love a different way. And when the third guna is dom dominating the subtle body, then you'll love a different way. <clears throat> In other words, the love will be conditional. It'll be conditioned by the, uh, the, the, the changes that are taking place in the reflecting medium, in the eye sense. But love is still the same. But love is still the same. Because but I it, love sleep. Huh? I love my sleep. My sleep. Yeah. 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 Love is still the same. The second, so secondary devotional service, Dwaita, Dwaita Bhakti, you know, pure love, is conditioned by these three factors. Secondary devotional service is of three kinds, according to which guna predominates at any time, or according to the motivation. Well, the motivation is determined by the guna. Distress, in other words, are you in pain? What would that be? Tamaguna, pain, suffering, huh? desire, rajaguna, or what? Knowledge, sattva guna, depending on the guna. 
represent. That, that brings you to devotion. Krishna talked earlier about the four types of devotees. There was the suffering devotee. There was the desiring devotee. There was the knowledge-seeking devotee. And then there's the non-dual devotee. Those uh, three those pre preceding types are all guna-related uh, devotees. Understand? The fourth type of devotee is nirguna. His, his, his or her love is free of the gunas. In other words, that non-dual love is transcendental love. It what? It is unaffected by the gunas. The same here. Yeah, that okay, and we know we've discussed these three powers because huh? we want to get to the values. And then he says in verse 57, each succeeding type of devotee is superior to the preceding type. Now, what does that mean? A rajasic devotee is superior to a tamasic devotee, and a sattvic devotee is superior to a rajasic devotee, and a what? And a non-dual devotee is superior to all three. Now, why why is a, a rajasic devotee superior to a tamasic devotee? Because a tamasic uh, because a tamasic devotee won't, won't develop his or her love. Why? Because he doesn't have enough rajas. So his devotion is stuck at, at the lowest possible level. These are, these are the people that, that, that worship the dark force. These are your satanic worshipers, the people who injure their bodies, the people who do penance and, you know, and, and whip themselves and bleed and, and do all kinds of black magic and that sort of thing. The, the voodoo guys and all that sort of stuff. The, the Eastern India, oh my God, you should see the stuff that goes on in India. Woo! It's really, really bizarre, and it's really dark, and it's really scary, and it's all devotional service to God through that particular guna. I could tell you stories that just blow your mind. Now, those people, they just get stuck, they just stuck get stuck at that level. They, they, they will not move huh, to, they will not gain knowledge of God or non-dual devotion until they develop rajas. Because you need rajas to get out of Thomas. That rajasic fire gives you the motivation to what? To change your negative, your tamasic habits. This is why tamasic people are really, they're really you have to feel sorry for them. They're so weak. They just live in fantasy worlds. Like depression. Huh? Depression people and Like, excuse me? Depressed person. Yeah, depressed person. Yeah, they're depressed. Yeah. Fantasy doesn't cost any energy. Fantasy, fantasy yeah. Their whole lives are fat, fat, huh? They're, they're too incompetent and too too dull and too uh, low energy to accomplish anything in life. Because to accomplish things in life takes a lot of rajas. You need rajas to, to be an accomplished person. So what do they do? 
they only accomplish things in their mind. They live in fantasies. Uh, the whole pornography industry, what's all that about? These are all Tomasic people, mostly men, but women too. Uh, they're Tomasic. They're, they're too insecure and dull to what? To actually take the time to go and meet a woman and court a woman and, and, and respect a woman and go through all of the stuff you have to do to, you know, to get, get sex with a woman. So what do they do? They fantasize a relationship with pixels on a screen. Hmm? There's no woman there. There's no woman there. There's a, there's a mechanical object with light behind it and pixels moving in a certain way with certain kind of sounds and so forth and so on. And they fantasize a relationship with that person. Are they hopeless? Huh? Are they hopeless? <laughs> hopeless. They're pretty hopeless. But no, yeah. sometimes they get out of it. Sometimes they can. Oh. They sometimes can get out of it, but they have to hit bottom. Or the or the, or the 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 gamers. Those guys are real tomasic. They're they're mentally really rajasic, but they have to create a fantasy world. They're they're rajasic mentally. But they're totally tomasic spiritually. Huh? Oh, you read the story about these gamers. What happens to their lives? They'll they'll ruin their their bladders and everything like that because they they can't get up for three minutes to take a piss. Yeah. Huh? Because in that three minutes, some other gamer will have like gotten you know at a higher level than them. So they have to keep killing those bots on those pictures on the screen. Uh, to get, keep their status going in the in the gaming community and to make the money that they make. They make a lot of money, some of these good ones. Can you imagine anything more Tomasic? They'll live in a dark room and they won't come out for, for days. And they'll have somebody bring in what? Not good, healthy food. No, the room is totally dark, so that's Tomasic. Bring in pizzas. And just gross, disgusting, tomasic food, and what? And to keep them moving, what do they do? They'll drink uh, what? What's that? Uh, Red Bull, isn't that huh? <laughs> huh? Which is all just uh, disgusting chemicals that really screws your body up. And they'll just chug that stuff because they got to keep their mind disturbed all the time. Because the rajas, they need the rajas to what? To calculate. Oh my God, fantasy world, Tom Laguna. That's awful. Once in a while they get out. Once in a while. I, I read a really interesting article in the New York Times about a year ago about one of the top gamers in the world. And he, he quit and he finally got out and he got a normal life and he cleaned himself up and he got his health together. And he was such a brilliant guy and he was such a smart guy that he got a really good job and then he got a girlfriend. It was normal. He started making normal money and, you know, his, his life. But most of those guys just what? There's a whole world out there. You don't know. There's, there's millions of them around the world. They're all in this dark, heavy, <laughs> ugly, dull space living in their fantasies. I killed 400... You know, in the movies, you see the movies, <coughs> the body count in these movies, uh, films, in one movie, like 500 people will get killed. 
and 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 the destruction of property. You know, the whole cities will be destroyed, huh? And the more cities are destroyed, the more people that are killed, and the more stuff, huh? And the more planes that are shot down, the more violence is there, the, the happier they are. Tamasic bhakti. Tamasic rajasic bhakti. Now, you can't get out of that unless you have enough energy to get out of it. And you only get enough energy to get out of it if you, uh, if you start to appreciate yourself. That's the sattva guna, that knowledge, in other words, the knowledge guna. Yeah, now, once you get stuck in rajas, the only way out of rajas is what? Is sattva. And rajas is, is almost as bad as Thomas. And, and that, I know, I, 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 I'm kind of nervous saying that in these Western societies, because the Western societies value rajas more than anything. Because they're full of desire and ambition. And so when you start criticizing rajas, people don't like it at all. Because the, the idea in these Christian societies, in these material societies, is what? The idle mind is the devil's workshop. Huh? You need your mind to be, you need to be busy doing things 24-7. Or you're not a virtuous person. My mother, you said such a problem with me. Because I wouldn't get a regular job. And I took a nap every afternoon. Through my whole life, ever since I was a kid, I took naps in the afternoon. And my mother thought that was, that was a sign of incredible moral decadence. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> See, I, after lunch, you know, I would go and I'd lay on the couch for my nap. And, and she would, it just made her so angry. She'd come over and she'd say, James, James, wake up. I know you're not sleeping. I know you hear me. Get up. What's up? A healthy, strong man like you doing sleeping from two to four on Wednesday afternoon. You have there's things to do. Get up, get up. And I'd just ignore her. I know you're ignoring me. There's something wrong with you, James. There's definitely something wrong with you. I think it's your blood. I'm, you know, you got dull blood. My blood's not dull. I'm going to call Dr. Stover. I'm going to call him right now. I'm going to get an appointment with you. There's something wrong with your blood. We'll test you. We'll get you sorted. Get up. And I just ignore her. And then you know what she'd do? She'd go to the, the, the closet and she'd get the vacuum cleaner and she'd start vacuuming the rug next to the couch. <laughs> Could not stand it. Because what? We just, we prize busyness. We do stuff that we don't even need to do just because we don't know, we're, we think we're supposed to be busy all the time. The devil might seek in, you might think a wicked thought. You better catch, stay really, really, really busy. Huh? Uh, that's so important. Huh? That's so important. <laughs> I understand. So, and then what? 
Uh, and then what to get out? So to get out of Raj, uh, Thomas, I need Rajas. But to get out of Sattva, I need uh, to get out of Rajas. I need Sattva. That's almost as hard as getting out of Thomas, because you get attached to doing stuff. So see the see the attachment. That's what we mean by chain. That's why they're called gunas. Here they're just called qualities. But when it gets down to the jiva level, they're called gunas, and they get bound. So you need sattva, you need knowledge to get out of this pickle. But then there's a problem with sattva too. Because it's a guna. I said it's a, it's, a, uh, it's a golden chain. Rajas is a silver chain. And what? Thomas is an iron, heavy iron chain. But they're all chains. It doesn't matter if they chain you down with gold or silver or iron, you're still chained down. So, uh, so now, how am I going to get out of out of how am I going to get out of the sattva guna? Now, the Gita and all the texts are all about developing sattva. So, how do I get out of sattva guna? <coughs> Self inquiry. That's how. And that what that renders the gunas what non-binding. And a, 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 a non-dual devotee has preferences, but he doesn't, is not, uh, it, but those preferences are not binding likes and dislikes. So these non-dual devotees live and act pretty much like normal people, but they can do without anything. They, 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 they you know, maybe, maybe they prefer to have a bottle of Dom Perignon to a bottle of beer, but if their host at dinner offers them a beer, they'll they'll drink a beer. It's fine, and they'll get just as much joy out of the beer as they would out of a glass of champagne. So they they may have preferences, but they're not bound by those preferences. The preference means you're not bound. Preference means you prefer it, but you're happy with it anyway. Anyway, so. Huh? Could you say um, these are like steps and you can't skip one? You cannot go from tamas to sattva? Is it like steps? Well, you, you need the rajas to get rid of the tamas and that develops the sattva. So it's. Huh? It's like steps. Yeah, it's steps, yeah. Mm -hmm. Step. Because tamas is just a heavy, lead, dull energy. You don't feel like doing anything. After my after teaching these seminars, I feel like <laughs> so, you wouldn't be able to get any knowledge. Huh? There's too much tamas. You wouldn't be able to. Get no, any no, knowledge. you don't can't get knowledge if you're tamasic. Your mind is too dull. You, you don't you don't hear what's being said, and and or and in rajas you distort what's being said. You hear what's being said, but you twist it. Your desires twist what you hear. So you hear according to what your desires are. This is why I, I answer the same question to the same person for 10 years. Huh? They come and ask me the same question. Arjuna is the same. Arjuna asks the same question through all 18 chapters of the Gita. He just phrases it differently. But it's always the same question. Huh? Because he... huh? It wants to have it the way it wants to have it. He thinks he or she thinks the way he or she thinks is the way it should be, and they do not want to let it go. 
Let's have Rogers. 